Okay. I like now all of a sudden feel like mm. you have a super dry throat. I think I'm just scared because we're doing this in the daylight. <laughs> Not used to it? No. Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? My name is Luke. And I'm Emma. And today we are discussing chapter six, Chivalry's Shadow. But first, we have to go back to chapter five, because looking on the internet, we found some answers to the questions that we had. Yeah, actually answered by Robin Hobb herself. Yes. So on a forum for Robin Hobb slash Megan Lindholm, on Tapa Talk, there is a post there that is asking basically about the same conversation that we were talking about. It was confirmed to be between yeah. Shade and so Shrewd. This is the part in last chapter where Fitz is super sick and we think is skill hearing a conversation. Correct, yes. And that is confirmed by her, actually, that he had worried himself into such a state and was, was thinking of them that he put down his skill walls and was just concentrating on Shade and Shrewd in general. So he was able to overhear that conversation between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, and the big question that we had was, who was the other one when Shade, who was, it's also confirmed that it mm-hmm. was Shade saying this, break him like you broke the other one. Mm-hmm. And she straight up says it was chivalry. Yeah. So there's a fun little tidbit. Thank you, Internet. Yeah. And also also Robin Hobb for answering, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I mean, this this was answered back in um, 2008, so yeah. <laughs> we just kind of missed this post in general. Um, it basically, the queen kind of had been prying them apart and was scheming ever since the boys were young. Mm-hmm. And Robin Hobb in here, I'll just quote it to you, says that, She creates situations in which no matter what chivalry does, his actions can be interpreted as disloyal. And these are, quote, events that are not told and probably never will be, unfortunately. Yeah. Because we were asking about that Queen Desire backstory, but Uh nope. Guess not. Yeah. Uh, The discovery that when he was much younger, he fathered a bastard is just the pry bar she needs to get him out of her way. In many ways, the heir is driven out, and not just to make more room for her son. The action isolates chivalry and makes Shade and Verity both more vulnerable to her plotting. So, Shade is just, like, talking to King Shrewd, like, oh, you're gonna break him like you broke the other one. Yeah. And she does say... Talking about father and son. Yeah, she she does say that it's supposed to be more of a sarcastic remark, um, like how you would listen to an old couple arguing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She also said that she was, um, I think, surprised that it didn't come across that way to people. Yeah, let's see. Uh, It's all about tone. When Shade in anger suggests to Shrewd that he, quote, break him as you broke the other one, he's being sarcastic or inviting someone to make the same mistake all over again. Imagine a husband and wife quarreling and one saying to the other, go ahead, lie to me again. And you have the tone of the comment. 
I'm a bit chagrined that the tone didn't carry in the context. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it, they're talking about father and son there, which is nice to know an answer to. And yeah. Galen was not in the picture at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I definitely wanted to share that. And um, it, she goes on to explain that from incidents in this chapter, when chivalry, quote, accidentally dies, mm-hmm. Chade takes it very seriously because um, Chade and chivalry had a very good relationship. Yeah. And that Fitz kind of talks to him and kind of beats around the bush, asking him whether or not that he had a hand in it. And Chade kind of leads him to the conclusion that it might be the queen instead. Right. Just to make him more aware of her. Yeah. Um, and we can leave a link to that on our Facebook. I think it would be pretty hard anywhere. Maybe we could do it on Twitter, too. Yeah. Um, but I might try to put it in the show notes as well. Uh, we'll oh, see yeah. see if it pops up on uh, Podbean yeah, on so our website. Yeah, so if you want to read the um, conversation for yourself, you can. Yeah. That's isfitshappy.com or isfitshappy on our Facebook. And we can link it on Twitter as well. Yeah. At isfitshappy. i would like to um shout out another podcast um if you like hearing about this series which i assume you do if you're listening (laughs) (laughs) i would hope so (laughs) (laughs) um there is another podcast called buck keep radio yeah Um, definitely they are a podcast that does um a couple chapters at a time with a review they're going through the series with rereaders and first-time readers um, some of the rereaders have only read the Farseer books, mm-hmm. um, and some of them have read all of the series, but they talk about, you know, what goes on. They have a non-spoiler podcast, so if you have friends who are just starting out reading the book and they can't really listen to us, <laughs> send them over to Buckkeep, yeah. uh, Buckkeep Radio. <laughs> it's a really interesting format because you can hear the thoughts of people about the characters and like what they liked about certain things uh-huh. and in your mind you're just like oh just wait till you get to this yeah. part <laughs> and i think that's pretty much exactly what the other hosts do too uh-huh the ones who have already yeah. read the books and then at the end of the uh end of the episodes they have a spoiler section where they kind of discuss where those what those new readers are thinking as uh-huh. well so yeah if you if you like um realm of the Elder- elderlings please go and check them out too. Yeah. Get some more Robin Hobb content in your life. All right. So chapter six, this is Chivalry's Shadow. So we start off again with a little snippet. Is there anything you wanted to talk about specifically before I dive into what I was going to say? <laughs> <laughs> um, not particularly. Once again, this is about the naming of the royals. And the origins of that. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of gotten the two sides already. Um, this is one of the things that did annoy me on my first couple reads through of this series. Mm-hmm. Is that the beginning chapters here. I always thought the uh, beginning history stories were interesting. But there was a lot of repeat about the names. Yeah. But it's always nice to dive in and get further details on them. So mm-hmm. I might comment on some things once in a while. But did you have anything that you specifically wanted to point out? Well, I had a question. So just based off the line, um, but for the purposes of royalty, it is better to have the common folk believe that a boy given a noble name must grow to have a noble nature. I'm just wondering, do you think 
all of the nobles know that this is kind of just some made-up farce that they're just playing along with for the sake of the peasants? Or do you think that some of them truly believe that they're giving their children this attribute by naming them that? Oh, I think 100% that some of them truly believe. Desire. (laughs) (laughs) Not to name names. I, I actually don't think it's her. I think she's named him Regal. In order to give that perception to the common folk. Fair. And that she was smart in doing so just Mm -hmm. to get that notion out there. Right. I think she's too clever um, to believe Mm -hmm. that herself. Fair. But, yeah, I I, Yeah, I was just wondering because we do know that a lot of the townspeople have regular names. They don't have the cool royalty names like Molly or uh, Carrie and, you know, like, those are regular people names, not right. really a um, personality trait. Yeah, so. I think it's pretty much reserved for the royal line mm. or nobles in general. Yeah. So that's why I was wondering if it's, like, just another way to set them apart that they're purposefully doing to kind of trick commoners or if it was, like, something they really believed in. Just a thought. <laughs> and, I mean, it doesn't even have to be malicious tricking. It's Right. The propaganda, the the view that you have towards the monarchy is helps you rule. So mm-hmm. it's smart to give you a you know a nice name. Yeah, <laughs> true. Give your give your kid a nice name, and then the people will look up to you. Be like, oh wow, yeah, he is truthful. He is chivalrous. Uh-huh. You know, mm-hmm. he is regal. <laughs> but also, I did want to point out that it's pretty funny that. Um, taker and ruler weren't actually their names. That's just kind of what it vaguely sounded like um, in the duchies language versus their own tongue, which is also an interesting thing to point out that um, the language of the six duchies was adopted by the people who took over them. Yeah, definitely. Um, They they didn't keep their own tongue, Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting. And maybe, I mean, maybe it's, kind of like old English where like to now where there was a little bit of adoption of some words, but for the most part, the people getting took, uh, took over just like, no, nah, we're going to speak our way. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of unique in that usually the conquerors kind of force their culture and their language upon people. But mm-hmm. since this was a man coming from the out islands where they don't normally rule. Right. I'm wondering if he took, you know, yeah. Because they have such a, they have such a, a view on Ida and L, mm. and since L is the sea and like the man god's domain, right. and the the female god's domain is the land, I'm mm-hmm. wondering if he kind of, if if in their culture they kind of consider that sacred and that's like the land's language, mm. and you kind of have to adopt that. Interesting. I'm not sure. I don't know either. Or Another maybe it's like when the Vikings came to England and they tried real hard, but <laughs> and they just the English were like, nah, <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> but no, I like your answer better. <laughs> Honestly, I like yours better. <laughs> the six centuries people were just like, nah. <laughs> That's a weird word for that. I'm going to What's keep your going. name? Taker? That sounds right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? Their names must mean something. <laughs> But uh, at the beginning of this, we meet Fedrin finally. We've had him mentioned a couple times, but now our 
scribe is right in front of us and he's uh, calling Fitz boy. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, which is fair. I feel like it might be a little awkward to like call a child bastard, basically. Like it would feel weird. I'm pretty sure that Hod probably calls him boy Mm -hmm. that, I mean, (laughs) Jade calls him boy. (laughs) It, It just goes to show that Fitz still doesn't have an actual name. Yeah. He's Fitz, but that's also not really a slightly derogatory (laughs) name in general. Um, Yeah, so calls him boy. We learn that it's winter here, Mm -hmm. and you would think it'd be a continuation from last chapter, but in a few pages we learn that a few years have passed. And he's about 12 right now. So... I also want to talk about the safety of being in this castle because there's a storm going on outside. Um, and yeah. <laughs> sometimes the force is sending a tremor through the stone floor beneath them. Yeah, from the from the waves pounding yeah. on the cliffs. So I'm just wondering, like... It's a strong storm. Yeah, that is definitely a strong storm. But, like, it's a stone castle, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> like, the, I don't know. I just, I was like, oh, that doesn't sound safe. <laughs> Maybe somebody should work on the foundation, but I don't know. Interesting. And Fedren calls him up to mm-hmm. look over his paper because they are uh, practicing letters and learning to read and, and actual calligraphy. Yeah. And, and scribing. Not, not just six duchies letters, other nations letters as well. Specifically calls out the Out Islander runes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they learn too much about the Mountain Kingdom at all. Mm-hmm. But it's six duchies and Out Islanders for sure. Yeah. And when he hands over the paper, it's it's kind of like getting called up to a teacher's desk. Like, hey, let me look over your work. And you're just kind of standing there awkwardly waiting for them to be mm-hmm. done reading. Yeah. Fitz expands his wit senses a little bit. Mm-hmm. It kind of shows that he is... Gaining a lot more control over what he can do. He's still not trained in anything, really. Yeah. But at least he knows how to keep himself reined in and expand it when he needs to be. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was out of necessity being around Beric. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But it seems a pretty cozy place. I mean, they're in the Great Hall right now. There's mm-hmm. lots of people around. Some people, you know, um, tatting lace. Some people... Uh, teaching kids how to sing. Sing counting songs. Yeah, counting songs and things like that. Counting songs. That's cute. Um, and some of the kids around his fire, because there are three fires, are um, dozing off because it's a very gray day. And that's very relatable. I remember when I was in school, if the weather was gray, I was definitely not at my peak attention span yeah. time. <laughs> Um, and he seems to be extremely skilled in writing. Fedrin mm-hmm. is finds a couple mistakes, but he's very pleased in general, yeah. and even suggests that oh maybe you can start actually copying books, and that's usually not offered to students. So he he's kind of propping him up, and you know, it has that diligent work ethic from mm-hmm. Burek and Jade's lessons. I'm guessing too. Oh yeah, for sure. And we know that he's really good at attention to detail. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not super surprising, but 
definitely cool to see that he does excel in the classroom. <laughs> but at the end of that, Fedran invites him to be an apprentice. Yeah. Offers him the chance to explore the six duchies, wander around with him during the summer. Mm-hmm. And Fitz kind of latches onto that idea. He's kind of astounded that somebody would even want him to do anything like that. Yeah. And it's sweet of Fedrin to even think of this. Like, he is thinking of Fitz as a boy without future prospects except under chivalry's shadow. Yeah. Except under the the largesse of the king. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of implies that later on. And he says, like, it's it would be good for you to have a, you know, Mm -hmm. a profession. Right. Good for you to be established before that goes away at any point because you don't know the future. Mm -hmm. And that made me wonder if Fedrin is also like maybe not a legitimate child um, because he is really concerned about Fitz's future and wants I mean, it's probably not just that he's concerned about Fitz's future. Like, Fitz is also excelling at this thing and is showing a good work ethic. But it did make me wonder, like, why is he so nice to Fitz about this? Why is he so concerned about Fitz's future? Um, not that you can't just be a nice person. <laughs> I think, I think um, he's... I mean, we don't know his past. Mm-hmm. But I think he's just a nice person in general because we know that Fitz has been ingratiating himself with the keeps general common folk the servants the cooks the different tradesmen he's been garnering a reputation for himself Mm -hmm. under shades tutelage as a sharp-witted and smart lad and i think that fedrin has just taken a liking to him in general and that he's intelligent and he has seen a lot of people go through things that's mm-hmm. that's my thought at least because he is well traveled he goes around yeah. you know the whole land during the summers comes back during the winters and takes on a new apprentice he's been through this process a lot i'm mm-hmm. sure he notices and has seen a lot of things yeah he's a i smart guess guy so he would know what would be coming that is a good point i guess jay does mention later that he seems smarter than he thought, though, so yeah. he could just be insightful or he could have that actual experience like you were saying. Mm-hmm. He could just know what's possibly coming. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Fedren answers Fitz when Fitz is kind of incredulous that he could leave Buckkeep and Fitz's mind kind of is like blown. Yeah. He's like, wow, I can actually, you know, go places maybe? And Fedren's like, yes, leave Buckkeep. As you grow older, chivalry's shadow will grow thinner. It will not always shelter you. Better you are your own man with your own life and calling to content you before his protection is entirely gone. But you don't have to answer me now. Think about it. Discuss it with Beric, perhaps. Yeah. And that never happens. He goes directly no. to Shade. No. It makes sense because Beric doesn't really know about Fitz's pact with uh, Shrewd. And the whole assassin lesson. <laughs> so true. Um, it like Bure- it doesn't matter if Burek would approve, which we all know he would, um, because it's more about what the king would say. And I think Shade would be more able to tell Fitz if he not legally could, but like 
But it's, since could, it's yeah. the king, it's legally, I yeah, guess. Like if, yeah. could, <laughs> if it would be chill with the king. <laughs> and Fitz is really, you know, talking sideways at this topic. He's like, oh, have you ever been here? Is it uh-huh. nice? Have you ever been here? Is it nice, Shade? I've heard of this place. Isn't that over here? <laughs> yeah. Shade, have you ever been anywhere that's better than Buckkeep? And Shade's like, spit it out. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> and Fitz kind of explains the offer. And Shade has to have a frank discussion with him. Out of experience. This is actual royal, illegitimate son experience talking to Fitz, even though Fitz doesn't really know that know yet. That yet. Mm-hmm. Shade's like, no. He spoke softly but abruptly. No matter where you went, you would still be chivalry's bastard. And he says that Fedren is, is very insightful to see this, but mm-hmm. he still doesn't see the full picture. He doesn't understand that the further you are away from the crown, the more people see you as a threat because you're not obviously directly underneath the king and working with the king. Mm-hmm. And therefore, Shrewd could then see you as a threat right. or somebody else's tool to use against him. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering with this whole conversation um, where he basically says, if you did this, you would end up dead. Um, do you think that... Shade is like kind of giving him a vague threat of like, I would have to be the one to kill you if you did that because it would be traitorous. Or is it just trying to scare him to stop thinking about this? I think it's more to try to scare him because I think later in the series, Shade says that I would never obey anything to right. like an order to kill you. And I think he says it about chivalry as well. Mm-hmm. It might be when they're discussing if Shade had a hand in chivalry's death or not. Right. I can't remember. But I think it's more to scare him. But I also think it's a very big possibility that if it got to that point, if Shade refused, Shrewd would find somebody. Right. He would find somebody to do it because he needs to protect his own line. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't seem fair to me because... It's not like Fitz going to be a scribe would be a bad thing. No, right. And honestly, maybe he would learn more that way because then he could go to other people's keeps and during the summer and like know more about them. And you'd think that would be useful if they want to know, you know, (laughs) more about their kingdom and what's going on. But it's definitely true. But I think Shade is more commenting on traveling in general or Mm. leaving Buckkeep in general and not just being a scribe. Right. Well, I guess he does say that he would be, um, oh, no, never mind. Does he, he's hostage to his bloodline. I thought he could be a hostage for his bloodline. (laughs) I read it wrong for a second. Sorry. But I guess, yeah. There is a mention that Shade throws in here that says, uh, these are restless times. The Out Islanders are getting braver about their raids, Mm -hmm. which another... Wink, this is like, you know, five in the last six chapters or something like that about the upcoming difficulties with that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think the kingdom has always been in this bad of a shape? Like, was chivalry really doing that much that there wasn't this much unrest? Or is it just bad timing 
that chivalry abdicated the throne and then everything's going downhill? I think a little bit of both. Okay. Um, in this chapter, Shade does mention uh, really soon, actually, that Verity is a fine fellow to have a mug with, but he is neither the soldier nor the diplomat that chivalry was. Right. So I think that there's a little bit of Verity will do as he's told from mm-hmm. Shrewd. But he won't go above and beyond. He, I don't think that Shade believes he has the capacity to do that. Right. That he has the training or the um, management skills mm-hmm. to be able to discern what needs to be done mm-hmm. and do that without being kind of told. And I also think it's very bad timing with the, the pale woman and everything like that kind of yeah. amassing all those difficulties. Well, I guess there's, there's raids always, yeah. but there's not the intensity of raids as right. usual. And also, we have Desire stirring up stuff in the inland duchies, so yeah, that doesn't help. But I guess technically, it is like fate in a way, but it's like the fate that the Whites have chosen right. at this point. Right? Man. So, Which is a weird thought, that like all this stuff, this unrest is happening because of the prob- path chosen. Yeah, and they probably know <laughs> yeah. what's going on with That's it. so weird. I kind of want to know, like, do they have spies throughout like this whole period or are they just going off prophecy the whites yeah i don't remember too much about i no, i think great conversation for <laughs> chapter six in book one but i think the whites just go strictly off prophecy because they know they're right right so they have I, enough i would think so they wouldn't need people there unless they're and the ba- pale lady is their yeah. agent right so she would know some of what was going on yeah. So presumably, but yeah, anyway, just a weird thought I had. Well, sorry to get off on a tangent. But um, Shade continues on and says, like, yeah, there's a lot of unrest out there. If chivalry is seen as gaining more favor and stuff like the small folk could, you know, try to get him to become king again. And Fitz kind of gets excited. and He's like imagining what back. could happen. Yeah, my well, my dad can come back then. Or BB. <laughs> and Shade's like, no, boy, not likely at all. <laughs> he just has to be completely frank with him and upfront. And it's it's rough telling a like a 12 year old boy that, no, your father's not coming back. Yeah. And not only is he not coming back, but he can't come back. Yeah. Like, oh, so Fitz's choice is, you know. To be a corpse or the king's tool. And Fitz kind of has his heart sink there. And he's like, okay, I'm never going to be able to do anything in my life then. And then Shade says something that I really like. Most prisons are are of our own making. A man makes his own freedom too. I don't know. I like that quote. I just had to point it out. (laughs) Yeah. And Shade also points out that None of the other people that are of the royal line get to do what they want either. Mm-hmm. Chivalry never made his itinerary of where to go and who to schmooze and get mm-hmm. <laughs> treaties with. Right. He's always told. Verity is always told where to go too. Yeah. That's just what you have to do. Even Regal is told what to do. Yeah. Oh. Grass isn't always greener. <laughs> and he is probably more free at Withy Woods than... He ever was before, but he can't come back to Bucky. Yeah. So, I don't know. 
he says, better he faded quietly away. And Fitz later says that's prophetic. Yeah, that's true. Oh. So uh, Fitz continues on this conversation slightly and says that he kind of wants to go back down to town once he in a while. at least wants to be yeah, able to go to town. he at least wants to go to town. And he can't even do that. Because <laughs> <laughs> he has people there that don't think of him as the royal bastard. They, they call him new boy, mm-hmm. and they're his friends. And we later learn that he hasn't been to see them in over a year. Yeah. Which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he steals afternoons once in a while, it says earlier, but now uh-huh. it's like... And over a year since he yeah. saw any of his friends. And this is the first time he's ever admitted to himself. That's why he likes town. Yeah. He never really put it to words before. And now he's like, oh, yeah, that's that's actually why I like going down there. Because at, for once, I don't have to be the bastard. Yep. Oof. Not labeled like that. Yeah. And poor Shade, who probably 100% understands that feeling. Just like, ah, and then turns the topic right around. <laughs> no more of that. <laughs> yep. No more of that for lessons, and then time for lessons. Uh-huh. But then mysteriously, two days later, Fedrin the Scribe has a list of things that Fitz has to get in town. And he has to spend all day doing it. Yep, with no timetable to return. So do you think this was actually Fedrin? It's Shade. Yep. Okay. 100%. That's what I thought, too. Because all the weird asks on the list were... Well, I... I think Fedrin would actually... Use the stuff? You have some of it, but I think Shade put a couple things down, too. Yeah, see, that's... I was like, mm, these items are too weird. I think Shade's just getting errands done and making Fitz feel a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, he says, I had no idea what use a scribe had for dried sea maid's hair or for a peck of forester's nuts. Perhaps he used them to make his colored inks, I decided. <laughs> <laughs> But it takes him all over town in mm-hmm. general. Um, he goes to some of the regular stores, and then he goes to the Harbor Bazaar, which ha- and then um, he goes to a couple traders from the inland area yeah. where he could find the nuts. And this is where we meet some people from Fitz's past. Right. So... There's an old woman who sells him the nuts, mm-hmm. and we get a description of her having a strong, straight nose, and her eyes were on bony shelves over her cheeks. It was a racial heritage, both strange and oddly familiar to me. And he realized that she's from the mountains. Yeah. Um, and then this woman's... Uh, stall mate i don't know yeah, the, it's not really a stall. the woman on the next mat so yeah the woman selling next to her who is considerably younger says kept it and then says it again and she's just staring at fitz uh-huh and he's kind of wondering what it meant in her language which means that she's from the mountains as well Mm-hmm. but notice this woman is just called the young woman next to the older woman she doesn't have any descriptors not once do we, not even the color of her hair. Nope. There's nothing about it's this just woman. The just, woman and she. Uh huh. It seemed a request for something, but the older woman only stared coldly out into the street, so I shrugged at her younger neighbor apologetically and turned away as I stowed the nuts in my basket. And she shrieks, kept it again. Yeah. 
And the older woman is gripping the younger one by her wrists and keeping her there and trying to calm her down. And a crowd gathers around them. Right. Which is really sad. Yeah, because we find out later that Kepit is Fitz's actual name. Uh Uh-huh. And that's his his mother and probably grandmother. Yeah. Which is a little bit sad that his grandma had zero reaction to him. And I wonder if that's purposeful to try to not rile up her daughter. It could be. It could be that. It could be maybe not her grandmother. It could be just like a an older woman who had, you know, mm-hmm. taken her under her wing as a traitor or something like that. Right. Because this is... Um, he's several years later, 12. So it's six years after the last time she saw him. Right. And it says that this is the mats where the inland traders were. So she left the mountain kingdom, became a trader and has been wandering around the six duchies for six years. Do you think it was to see if she could find her son? I do. Oh, that's really, really sad. I didn't think about it like that. Because when the grandpa dropped him off, Mm -hmm. he said that. He couldn't take care of the family anymore. Right. He was the one doing the work. He was taking care of them. Uh-huh. She had to leave and then found a job to continue traveling. Mm-hmm. When the grandpa got rid of Fitz, then he could have continued to take care of um, the family. He kind of implied that he wanted Fitz's mom to find a husband to settle down somewhere. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have a man by her. Right. Well, she came from the mountain kingdom. Yeah. And ended up in Buck. I I think she was looking for him. That's fair. But I don't want to say that maybe she didn't remarry just because there's no no. man around her. Definitely. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's true. But like if also if you're a trader from a different area. And you're setting up shop in one of the main towns, why Mm -hmm. wouldn't you have your family with your family with you? Right. Good point. Good point. Oh, that's really sad. <laughs> yeah. And Fitz just like doesn't even acknowledge there's no. And OK, so part of me wonders if the reason there's no like. um Description or anything. No description, or... but also no sense of oh, that sounds familiar whenever she says kept it. If that's because we're hearing this from the point of view of Fitz, who has given away all his memories of his mom. Potentially. So he just truly cannot remember feeling any sort of familiarity to that word. Um, or, you know, if this is just because at this point it's been so long and he's had so many more people introduced into his life that he truly is just forgetting in general, yeah, uh, memory repression and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Honestly, probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so before we can think on it too f- much further. Yep. We get another uh, familiar face from the past. Molly. (laughs) And um, he calls out to her and says, nosebleed. He's like, wait, did I call it to the wrong person? Uh She looks kind of unfamiliar. Oh, wait, no, that that is Molly. But Molly is very cold towards him. Cold. He reaches out his mind and says and, and says that she's feeling, you know, nervousness and a fear. Which is weird, because presumably anybody who's calling her nosebleed um, would be someone from her past as a child. So what has happened in this year to her with the other boys in town 
that yeah. makes her afraid of people recognizing her as Nosebleed. It says, aren't you Molly Nosebleed? And she says, I'm Molly Chandler. I saw recognition in her eyes, but her voice was chill as she added, I'm not sure that I know you. Your name, sir? Right. And he quests and finds the fears and the the nervousness, mm-hmm. and he says, I'm new boy. And then the barrier is gone. Right. But that's why I'm wondering. I it, it might be something with that. It might be that she actually didn't recognize him as he didn't recognize her vaguely afterwards. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of wondering, who is this guy that's calling me nosebleed that I don't go by for the last, you know, couple yeah. years? Oh, it's new boy. OK, OK. Now I recognize you. It, yeah, I don't know. It could be a couple other things. Yeah, I don't know. I just was wondering because it seems odd that she'd be a little scared. Mm-hmm. Although I guess he's dressed super nice, so maybe just I don't. The context don't know. is kind of thrown out. Yeah. yeah, and it could be like later later in the chapter, it says that pretty much all of the older kids in the neighborhood called her nosebleed. Mm-hmm. But we don't know if that was just Moke. We don't know if that was mostly localized to the friends that she ran with or if it was literally like most of the kids in the neighborhood and she just hasn't gone by it for a while. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know either. But did you notice that she's going by Molly Chandler because that's her profession? She doesn't really have a last name. Yeah, that's true. I did notice that. Yeah. So they get reacquainted. um, And Fitz compliments her dress or skirts yep she's wearing a skirt a red skirt uh-huh that was her mother's mm-hmm. he kind of lies that he needs two candles so he can stay with her uh-huh <laughs> and they're talking about different things she's flexing her expertise on yeah. scents and, and candles. also talking about how she made the best scented candles in buckkeep even yeah. the two other chandlers in town admitted it yeah I mean, she's been doing this since she was very young, a really little kid. Yeah. And she's like 13 or 14 right now. Yeah. So running errands by but herself. still crazy like, that yeah. like she's that good that other the other professionals are like, yeah, that 14 year old really knows how to make those sense. <laughs> yeah. How how jealous do you think those other two <laughs> candle makers are? <laughs> like, they're like, Wow. Like, yeah. it's only going to get worse. I know. <laughs> uh, but there's a uh, um, a little line in here that Mavis Threadsnip had told her that Molly's mother had mixed a candle with other herbs to make a wonderful candle that would calm even a colicky baby. And that's a little throwaway line that we kind of come back to at the end of the chapter or end of this section, I should say. Yeah. But Fitz is hearing all of this expertise that Molly is spouting and is like, oh, I want to impress her too with everything i know I've things <laughs> i yeah I, I i know things too what a what a like crush thing to do like <laughs> well oh oh i know about that thing you want to know more oh Fitz. and he just encyclopedia minds this uh-huh. oh this thresher's root it can be used to make a man sleep or kill a baby and molly is horrified yeah like why do you know that <laughs> I mean, okay, to be fair, he does go through like 
it can be used to make tinctures to soothe muscles and mm-hmm. ointments and stuff like that. But then he ends with like, also a child would die if you yeah. <laughs> give it to them. Which is completely understandable. I mean, they come from different worlds of learning right. where Fitz is just, like I said before, an encyclopedia knowledge. He's book smart uh-huh. about these things. Mm-hmm. While Molly has lived in the town all of her life, has been relatively poor all of her life. Mm-hmm. She's probably been around families that have had kids. She knows babies. She knows, like, her neighbors. Right. And to hear, like, oh, this root can kill somebody, you're just yes. like, what? Yeah, but also the fact that, that Fitz up? thought that that would be impressive. That <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, and by the way... <laughs> But oh. that prompts Fitz to flex his lying skill, showing off another skill he's learned. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think he's trying to show well, off. I no, think he's I just, just trying not to make her hate him. Of course. Of course he is. I'm just saying that. Yeah. <laughs> flexing another thing that he's learned in the meantime of right. them being friends. <laughs> and it starts a starts a live emission that kind of threads throughout their whole relationship. Yeah. And it is a huge point of contention later because he kind of leads her to believe that he is just the scribe's errand boy. Right. That he wouldn't really know anything. He's like, oh, it's it's just something I heard. And mm-hmm. then kind of goes on to say, oh, yeah, I know some things about this from a page that I saw from the scribe and things like that. And later it gets brought up that she finds out that he is the Fitz, that mm-hmm. he is of the royal line. And she feels completely betrayed about who he is. Right. Which I think Fitz is doing because he doesn't want to lose a friend and doesn't want her to turn into somebody who maybe uses that or doesn't want to be friends with him anymore. Or even just views him as the bastard. Yeah. He finally recognized why he likes going down to town and he doesn't want to lose that feeling. Right. And... This kind of strikes at one of Fitz's core personality traits of I'm just not going to tell this person something and deal with it if they figure it out. Don't change the status quo. Yeah. Which is a little sad. But also you can tell here that she obviously is not thrilled to hear about a death mixture. No. And so I wonder if this is kind of what sticks with him for their whole relationship, and that's why he never really delves into the fact that he was trained as an assassin. I was kind of curious about that, too, actually, just in general. It's just, Mm -hmm. yeah. Which is kind of dumb, which is right up Fitz's alley as well. Well, (laughs) 12-year-old boy. Yeah, this 13-year-old girl isn't thrilled by the fact I know how to kill somebody. I'll just never tell her I'm an assassin ever. (laughs) Like feels like something Fitz would do. Yeah, true. Fitz might actually be almost 13 because didn't we kind of ballpark his birthday around winter? So she's like 14-ish. Yeah. But still, like just, oh, Fitz. (sighs) But uh, he admits that he can read. Mm-hmm. And it just, again, shows the the gap between the two of them. And I think it it slightly kind of begins to dawn in Fitz's mind how privileged he is in right. the castle. Well, because he doesn't same, know. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. But at the same time, he's a 12 year old boy. So he just kind of brushes it aside as well. Yeah. But he he learns that she cannot read. 
which is probably very typical mm-hmm. in Buckheap Town. Right. In Bucktown. And he offers to read some things for Molly. Right. So they go back to the Chandlery. So I wonder if this is typical in this town, because it does seem like there's a big emphasis on education. Like people are welcome to the keep to learn by the fires at winter. So it made me wonder if maybe it's just because she has to take care of her family's business. Like her mom knew how to read and presumably her mom is in the same financial situation that she, well, probably a little bit better off because you know, there was an adult taking care of the finances, but I just wondered if maybe this is something just not even just that the like lower class has to deal with, or if it's just because this is a young girl who has to take all the responsibility of the adults around her and doesn't have an opportunity to just be a child that gets to learn. Right. But it it does say in here that um, her mother was a, oh. a dress help to a lady at the keep. Right. And I then she was that. taught letters. Mm-hmm. That's true. And the name drops in the first scene with Fedrin. Mm-hmm. One was Justice, so I'm guessing it, it's mainly just nobles' kids, right? That are welcome in the keep, mm. or you know, more rich people who would live around the keep rather yeah. than the town itself. Huh. Good point. Good. Good point. So I don't know. I, I there is an emphasis, but I think it's still pretty classist yeah. in general. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but but uh, yeah, he uh, he and Molly both go to the Chandlery mm-hmm. and she's like, my father's in there. Don't be too familiar with me. So Molly and Fitz walk into the Chandlery and her father is asleep in the shop. And he's looking rough. Yeah. He's looking skeletal, not just skinny. And Fitz kind of looks him over and says, Shade taught me well. This guy isn't going to live for a long time. He's, he's not going to live much longer. Much longer in general. Yeah. Yeah. And he has declined a ton in the five years. Yeah. Since like. Since beating Molly that first time. Yeah. We met him. Which he may or may not do anymore, um, probably because he's so weak. Yep. But also maybe because he was skilled to stop. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you guys didn't see that, but Emma has an incredibly smug look on her face when she said that. <laughs> yeah, so they go in and Molly brings out her mom's writing. Yep, five tablets. Mm-hmm. And four of them are recipes, herbal recipes. And that's kind of what I want to go back to, because I'm guessing one of them might be the uh, the candle that was mentioned earlier that Molly wanted to uh, recreate from her her mom's golden days of making yeah. candles. But the last one is the most important one. Right. On this day was born my Molly Nosegay, sweet as a bunch of posies. For her birth labors, I burned two tapers of bayberry and two cup candles scented with two handfuls of the small violets that grow near Dowell's Mill and one handful of red root chopped very fine. May she do likewise when her time comes to bear a child and her labor will be as easy as mine and the fruit of it as perfect. So I believe. It's. 
such a beautiful gift that Fitz could give Molly. Right. It's her mom just proud of having her daughter. Yeah. And her name. Gave gave her her name. She's Molly Nosegay, not Molly Nosebleed or Molly Chandler. Mm-hmm. It's why the kids started calling her Nosebleed. Yeah. And it gives a history of what to do when she was pregnant. And mm-hmm. I think she burns some of those things the same, like when she has B in the last book or in the last trilogy. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't remember. I don't remember either, but it would be, it'd be interesting to come back and see if it's the same that's mentioned. Yeah. I don't know if it's mentioned for any of her uh, other kids with Birik. Yeah, I don't know. But... So that might be some of the candles that her mom used to make for other women, too, which would be what she was searching to make Mm -hmm. and is really cool that she now has the recipe as well as several others, which would be super important because her mom was obviously very talented with candle making. And now she can recreate those and probably get more customers because of that. Yeah. So. Molly kind of. Gives him a gift of four candles. And ushers him out. Like mm-hmm. you Doesn't don't need let to, him pay. You yeah. don't need to pay for these. Thank you so much. Get out. I need to, you know. <laughs> yeah, be alone with my thoughts. Yep. <laughs> and she says, I have it now. A name from my mother. And so does Fitz. They got their names from their moms on the same day. Yeah. Except Fitz doesn't know it at this moment. But... That's like... I hadn't thought of that. That's really cool. Yeah, whenever I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, literally the same day they both find out their names. Really cute. And then he's all embarrassing and says, it suits you. (laughs) Heat rose in his cheeks and he hurried away from the door. I love it so much. It just, oh, young love. (laughs) He he has to go and uh, hurry up and finish his shopping list and then... Since it's evening, he starts making his way up towards the keep again. Mm-hmm. And things take a turn to the worst. Oh, yeah. He hears a couple horses hurrying up behind him. And <laughs> also, the town was crowded into such small area as to make riding a horse a vanity rather than a convenience. So these must be horses from the keep stable. And he was kind of wondering who would be riding. He's dumb enough to yeah. ride up <laughs> to ride the path. horses <laughs> on these slick cobble and uneven uh-huh. cobblestones to risk Burek's wrath. Uh huh. And he sees Regal and Verity, and they freak out. Yeah, they like slam on the brakes. <laughs> At sight of me standing quietly beside the road, they both pulled in their horses so violently that Regal spun aside and nearly went down on his knees. And the first thing that Fitz says is like, Burek is going to kill you. (laughs) The horse. Regal gave an inarticulate cry and a half instant later, Verity shakingly laughed at him. You thought he was a ghost, same as I. (laughs) Whoa, lad, you gave us a turn standing so quiet as that and looking so much like him. Hey, Regal. Verity, you're a fool. Hold your tongue. Oh. Yeah, that would be a little weird to see somebody. I'm, as a person who looks identical to their parent, I'm sure it would be super weird if my mom were to die and I, like, 
after hearing that, my family members saw me standing quietly at dusk on the yeah. side of a road as <laughs> they're staring just at received. Them. Yeah, I can see how that would scare some people. <laughs> um, yeah, so they they're bringing a letter from a ship that patients sent out, and chivalry has passed away. Yeah. Uh, Regal is full of disdain and he's even worse than normal. And is he in this instant insinuating, trying to insinuate that Fitz maybe killed chivalry? I, I don't think so. I think he's just insinuating that he's a scoundrel and like sneaking about and going to town to sneak away to do terrible mm. and not royal things. And Right. I just thought it was weird that he's like, oh interesting timing or whatever it was that he said yeah what are you doing out on the road so late such Just a likely you... tale yeah. a bit too much of a coincidence like i don't know i just was wondering if he's really trying to push that narrative i don't think so i think it's i i don't yeah. think there's any logistically sound well, ways that, for him but... to do that and i think regal is just kind of yeah I don't know. It goes to show that he's being talked about between Regal and his mother even right. more so. Because it says later that from what I hear, he has ideas enough and we can yes. thank our dear father for that. So he's obviously getting more and more mm-hmm. talked about as yeah. he's growing up and as the test happened mm-hmm. a couple years ago. And it's just even more poisoning against him. Right. Do you think Regal kno- knew before this? That chivalry was dead or do you think this is news to him that's something that we might never actually learn um because i don't know what queen desire actually thinks of regal mm-hmm. if she thinks that he's you know yeah. so smart and the perfect king and everything or if she's like i need to get him on the throne but he can't handle these delicate details yet fair and it's also his brother, so maybe, I mean, they don't seem to have too much love, but it's still a sibling. I'm, and I'm guessing no, because he also might have told Shrewd, or Shrewd might have been able to get it out of him. Ah, uh, fair. See, I wouldn't be surprised if he learned later on. I was just wondering how soon he learns, or if he does, I guess. But I'm guessing this is also... Um, a surprise to him because I mean Regal gave an inarticulate shriek right. at the sight of Fitz. <laughs> but see, I was wondering if that was like he saw thinks he sees a ghost and he's like, he's gonna kill me now. Like <laughs> oh, it could be, actually no. <laughs> like he Maybe. feels guilty and that's why he got so freaked out. There's weight to both arguments. Right. Yeah. But um, Verity kind of just says it plain. He's just like Yeah. Um what (laughs) don't mind him boy you gave us both a bit of a turn a river ship just came into town flying the pennant for a special message and when regal and i rode down to get it lo and behold it's from patience to tell us chivalry's dead and regal's like like, shut up verity you're telling everybody right now that could walk by yeah and the king doesn't even know yet which is a valid point you should probably tell your dad before the whole city knows and i it, it kind of comes about later in that moment you're like verity why did you just like yeah plainly say it whatever later it kind of comes down um that it shows that verity had a mask on Mm -hmm. and he's just really 
sad. It would be yeah. hard. He just lost his brother. He's still he's still a brother to him. It's his older brother. Mm-hmm. And now Verity has to maintain that kingly face, the facade. Yeah, but also he's probably a little bit in shock. Because when you hear a family member dies, it's not like, I feel like you understand that it's real, but it takes a while to admit to yourself that it's like, you really are just never going to meet that person again. Right. And so I guess I could see how the shock of seeing his brother's likeness on the side of the road moments after news of his death would just make you kind of blurt it out without thinking. But Regal goes on ahead and... Fitz just looks up at him and he's like, my father's dead. And it says, he still sat on his horse, bigger and bulkier than Regal. He still always sat a horse better. I think it was the soldier in him. He looked at me in silence for a moment. Then he said, yes, my brother's dead. He granted me that, my uncle, that instant of kinship. And I think that... Ever after, it changed how I saw the man. And then he offers to bring Fitz up to the castle. And the first thing Fitz thinks of is how mad Burek would be to treat a horse that way. Yep. (laughs) Which I feel like in this instant... It might be forgiven. Yeah, because Burek is going to take this hard. Yeah, we find that out soon. Uh Um, But Vary does apologize. He's... He says, I'm sorry you found out this way. I wasn't thinking. It does not seem it can be real, which is touching on exactly what you said before. Mm-hmm. It's, it really hasn't sunk in to him yeah. yet. I caught a glimpse of his true grief. And then he leaned forward and spoke to his horse, and it sprang forward. In moments, I was alone on the road again. Yeah. It's... It's kind of hard to imagine what's truly going through Fitz's mind, even though we are a part of it Mm -hmm. right now, because he never really met his father, but he also had such grand thoughts when the briefest hint of the possibility of chivalry becoming king again went through his mind. He's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to ride on Sudi along the roads. Like, this is going to be great. Yeah. And this this chapter especially has been very heavy handed at... It's really even the slightest hint of his father being mentioned gets excited that maybe this means somehow I'll get to meet him this time. And now he's never gets that chance again. Yeah. And he says that he thought for a moment about running away, about setting the basket down and just hiding and never coming back. And he's wondering if anybody would even look for him. Yeah. But instead he... Just trudges up the hill. Yeah. Continues on. Ugh. <sighs> so sad. I'm, ugh. I feel so bad for Fitz. Because not only did he just lose his dad, which is not really his father figure because he's never known this man, but he lost the ability to ever get to know him. Yeah. And learn anything about him from his own dad's, like, mouth. He just I think every time we get a mention of chivalry after this about stories about him, mm-hmm. he's like enraptured by it. He he comments on like I I've never 
was able to do this. So I'm glad to hear this. Yeah. And things like that. And he, he always talks about just knowing his likeness from the portrait that's hanging in the keep. And right. Uh, man. Fitz is uh Fitz is going through one here. <laughs> I know. And after the whole Molly scene, I truly was like, oh, we're gonna end on a happy note because I totally forgot what was coming. So I was like, finally, we can say Fitz was happy. <laughs> and then no. Nope. Wah, wah. <laughs> we're gonna say it again. Another roller coaster of a chapter. <laughs> yeah. Poor Fitz. He can never oh. truly be happy at the end of a chapter. It's just not allowed, I guess. <laughs> Thank you, Robin Hobb, for that. Oh, poor guy. He finally gets some freedom to go down to the town. He was offered hope that he could travel around, mm-hmm. shot down. He was offered hope that his father might become king and he might meet him again, shot down. Got from freedom down into the town and met his mother without knowing it. Mm-hmm. Met Molly and rekindled that, which is fantastic. Right. But then, you know, an hour later, finds out his father died. And he'll never get to know him. I don't even know what to say, honestly. No. This is one of those really rough moments, and it's not even, it's not even like physical harm that Fitz came to or no. anything like that. And it's not even one of the biggest emotional blows to him but you know from reading this series how much it means to him yeah and how much it hurts him to not yeah ever have met his father because as angry as he is that his father wasn't a part of his life i think he's more angry that he never got to know him because of the death yeah well thank you so much for joining us in this uh yeah this crazy episode heartbreaking end to this episode um before we go you can support us by finding us on any social media at is fits happy or emailing us at is fits happy at gmail.com to let us know your favorite theories your favorite memes (laughs) or just what we did wrong so we can correct it next time yeah Thanks for listening along with us and hope to see you next time.